Hey, it's Luxury again. Uh, just wanted to take time out to say thank you to those who have already bought t-shirts. If you didn't know, we started selling t-shirts. Uh, you can head over to our Facebook page, the Lap of Luxury podcast on Facebook again. Uh, if you want to see what they look like, they're Coyote Brown. Um, and while you're there, why don't you leave us a comment and message us uh, with feedback, topics you'd like to discuss, or if you'd like to come on the podcast, uh, let us know. Anyways, uh, let's get to the show. Thanks. You've now entered the lap of luxury. Prepare your soul for a lavish journey into enlightenment. Guys, I really don't. I mean, you guys asked about my service, so I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you a story, I guess. Now, okay. But you have to buy me a beer at the VFW later. Uh, Okay. How many times have you told this joke to your uh, (laughs) your fellow pilots? What? How many times have you laid this joke on your fellow pilots? Well, they don't get it because they're all lieutenants and not combat veterans. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all right. Uh, real quick, ROE. So you know we all done the uh, we we done the dit we've done our dirt. Um, try to keep the story. We'll try to keep the stories fairly lighthearted. Obviously, there's, there's some seriousness to them. Uh, we're not gonna, again. We're not going to talk about the time that you decimated. Uh, you know, an entire company ISIS in one pass but uh if there's funny things like i i if we'll, we'll, we'll i'm getting a little bit far ahead of myself but that being said um i don't know <laughs> welcome to the show you got the intro there port yeah hey what's up guys uh today we're going to talk about uh war stories or uh more specifically just like op stories i suppose or just like funny work stories yeah that's um <clears throat> Uh, I suppose to start off with, I, I feel like I blacked out for all of uh, IFS. IFS, <laughs> and for for the, you're talking about initial flight screening. Yeah, now which is now initial flight training. Is that what? Yeah. Yeah, you know, so I feel like wanna, I, I feel like I don't like I don't remember anything that happened there. <clears throat> yeah, do you want to get a quick synopsis of what IFT is? Uh, oh yeah, so it's it's how they get together all the people who are uh, the Air Force gets together all the people who are raided who are gonna be like flying you know with the controls essentially. So it's navigators and pilots and electronic warfare officers, and it's like our like kind of and RPAs, yeah, yeah, piloted aircraft or aircraft. Yeah, pilot. and so it's it's just like the the baby step of aviation and like getting everybody together and laying down the groundwork essentially. Yeah, and back in uh, back in our day, when initially you go to this, it was this was a screening program. So basically, it was a way to it was like your first step in seeing if you would make it as an aircrew member, whether it was pilot nav or pilot CISO or or, uh, or drone pilot, I guess for uh, layman's terms. So they treated it as kind of like if you get, if you don't make it, you don't make it. So it was a little tough. Nowadays, it's a little bit more. Um, Lax, I guess they're more there. Train, they're more there to train you instead of just send you through and see what happens, inshallah. But uh, yeah, Shark, you didn't go through IFT, right? No, the second never, time. I never did. I never did. IFT. Oh, you never did. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. You had a private pilot license, yeah. And actually, yeah, I guess it's more so Air Force's way of um, making you like fly. And like, cause everybody does the controls, you know what I mean? Like everybody actually yeah. pilots it. Yeah. <clears throat> so, I mean, maybe, maybe like kind of getting rid of that fear and like seeing how you do with that, I suppose, you know? 
is is yeah yeah well, that's weird that you've never done it before did um but have, i mean have you heard stories of like when we went through versus when these guys went through and like the differences oh. yeah i mean it's completely different than it used to be um as far as the uh the way they approach the whole program, but you can still watch out of IFT. No shit. Yeah. How, like, do you just give you like a million chances or what? Maybe I'm just, I'm just treating it like again. Back in my day, it was everything was harder. <laughs> I had to walk up, I had to walk uphill twice. Or right. it was, it was right. uphill going home, right. uh, going to school and back. Every landing was a stiff crosswind. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The winds were never calm. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Well, um, yeah, well, yeah, go ahead. What do you, like... How? So, I, I guess the only thing you could really watch out for is air sickness. Okay. Okay, shark. What? That's what you're going to throw at us? What, so, dude? Like, what if you, like, just can't land? They just, like, spend more time with you? Yeah. That's nice. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> dude, well, that's... Well, you know, that's crazy. It's just classic luck and timing, right? Because really so is. many fucking people failed. Like, well, first of all, isn't it so shitty how uh, this is basically what drove Shark to go to UPT, right? Is like the fact that when pilots fail out, they become navs. Yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, as they call it, pre uh, UPT, pre nav training. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, really, it really is luck and timing because what's to say, <clears throat> granted, now you being a pilot, you, you have a little bit, even though you were a private pilot before, you, your SA bubble or your situational awareness bubble is hugely increased over the about what were you there two and a half, three years flying um, the big girl? Um, so, it, I mean, who, who's the. Like sure that SA bubble has enhanced, but who's to say that you couldn't have if you, you know, started out in pilot training that you wouldn't have been a pilot? You know, uh, it's all luck and timing that you got a CISO slot instead of a pilot slot. Yeah, I mean, I had 150 private pilot hours when I started. Yeah, I should have. I should have started with fucking Shark Bingo with like. Uh, when he was going to say his Pixum score and all this type of stuff. <laughs> well, I'll just get those out of the way. I had a 93 on the Pixum too. Twice. So. Uh, oh, oh, here's, here's another, here's another quote for you. My nav score was lower than my pilot score in the A. Oh, I mean, did you only take it once or you took it initial or did you take it twice? I only took it once. How did that happen? Then? Only took it once. More of a nav. Wait, what did you say? How did you? How did they decide on you becoming a nav instead? Do they? They just like looked at you and decided you were a nav. <clears throat> yeah, I mean they saw like big fucking nerd. So, uh, no, I'm just kidding. Um, I don't know. Uh, I think they just needed those nabs at that time. Well, I, I also think you did OTS, right? Because you were, what, like a crew chief or something before? Yeah. Not many, not many yeah. people know that. Where, where were you at again? You were at Shaw? Uh, McIntyre. Oh, it, was guard, it was a guard base, yeah? Uh, yeah. 
You got any? You got any crazy stories from then? Um, <clears throat> let me think here. Um, I mean, nothing really crazy happened. I was kind of an A1C. Everyone tried to stay professional around me. Uh, <laughs> Did you? Uh... But you got some crazy war stories off the battlefield, like hunting college. Uh, hunting down like college girls. That sounds very predatory. I don't mean it like that. Wait, are we are we talking like like from the frat war? <laughs> yeah, the, the mighty frat war. Of yeah, yeah. Fucking nine or whenever it was, 2011, something like dude, that. Dude, I'm a vet of WWE frat, you know. <laughs> well, we're not really talking about those <laughs> stories, but I'm sure you you were, <laughs> you were battling uh, the home front. And the uh, and your bat on the uh, WWE frat there. <laughs> well, uh, go ahead. Did did they ever fuck with you when you were like first new to the unit and like did they tell you to like I don't know whatever like when they hear about it, like people uh, saying like oh you got to blow into this bag and we got to collect all the oxygen to give it to the aircraft or something like that. <laughs> That's a thing. You well, not that specifically, but like you know, you know, like stupid shit. Where it's yeah, just that like, was very specific. I was like, man, you've been thinking about. That. <laughs> well, people would say like they would tell them to like, I don't know, like blow into the pedo static tubes because yeah. somebody oversped the. Is it? You told me that one. Where uh, somebody like oversped the jet, so you got to blow into the pedo static tube covers to like uh, wind I, uh, wind the air. That wasn't me. Well, that wasn't me, but I heard that story. Now, I do have a story along those lines of when I first got in the buff. Oh, uh, and it, better. it involves uh, Thirsty and uh, a certain uh, two-star general that used to be the 8th Air Force commander. Oh, uh, we're going to get somebody in trouble or what? No, no, no. It was really funny. <laughs> so, um, it was after the uh, I was done at the 11th, and I was like, casual for like a month in the 93rd before I went up to Minot and uh, these guys uh, Thirsty was like hey do you want to do this intercept with the Bayou Militia you know the Eagle drivers down in uh, Louisiana Eagle and uh, yeah the the C models down in uh, yeah. the Louisiana Guard and uh, I was like yeah that'd be really cool like I've never done something like that he's like yeah it's going to be awesome um, so we're sitting there mission planning and he goes Hey, I need you. Uh, we need you to try on poopy suits. I'm sure you've like never put one on, so like you need to go to AFE and, and put one on. Can you describe like, okay. what a poopy suit is first, or did you not know it this time yet? Well, so do you want me to describe what a poopy suit is? Is that what yeah. you're saying? Yeah, for the uh, okay. So for all the civilian viewers out there, um, the poopy suit is a. Uh, it's like a dry suit, like what you would jump in, like the like Arctic Ocean, in. like it's got the the sealed like hands around it, and like you're literally dry on the insides. Yeah, anti-exposure like, suit. Yeah, it's a dry suit basically. Um, so Thirsty like walks me down to AFE, and uh, they came me a poopy suit. And, uh, I start trying to put it on. It's really difficult to get on. I mean, it's difficult to get on in general, you know, but it's, this one's like, I can barely get it on, you know? Mm-hmm. And, uh, 
the AFE guy is in there and he's like trying to help me and stuff. And uh, he's like, yeah, let's just get you a bigger size. Um, <clears throat> and uh, so I finally get the, the thing fitted and he's like, all right, you're good to go. And Thirsty's like standing outside the office and stuff seemed a little suspicious at that point. And I was like, what the hell's going on here? And uh, so we finished mission planning, get there the next day for the pre-takeoff brief. Um, where they brief you on the whole mission and what you're going to do. And we're in a two ship. So we had like the formation brief with the other aircraft, uh, that general Clark, uh, yeah, you'll have to edit that out, uh, where, where general Clark is. And, uh, so they get to the end of the brief and they throw out the question slide and then they answer all these questions and then. They click to the next slide, and it's it's a picture of me trying to get in a poopy suit that's like way too small for me, and it says, "Caught a big one." <laughs> that works even better because you're a shark, and he, it was like preemptive. Oh, it, it, it was, it was, it was. How did you not hear this story before? We could have got, we could have named him even earlier. Man, oh uh, man, that's. So. that's <laughs> Uh, Shark, why don't you tell your story about um, Beast with uh, your timing? Wait, what? Remember the, your timing story and then Beast made fun of you later in the uh, Beast from the 93rd? The the pilot, the IP? Oh. Oh, that was funny. Um, <laughs> I mean, it was just sort of where I just screwed up the timing and Beast would always come up to me and go, "Hey, sh- hey, uh, Shark, how long is it gonna take me to get to back to my desk?" Because he just knew that I was notoriously like couldn't calculate time. So, Dude, that's fucking hilarious. Funny, for, that's hilarious from Beast, man. That's such a good joke. Well, Beast was on that that sorty where they put up that slide too, but uh, the the wrap up to that story is General General Clark comes up to me at the end and he goes. Hey, were you that guy in that picture? And I was like, yeah. And he's like, are you a new guy? And I was like, yeah. And uh, he said, I'm glad they're, that they're still doing that to younger guys because that, that makes me happy. Like the Air Force hasn't changed that yeah. way. And I was like, yeah. Uh, so, you know, the, the yeah. casings. Yeah, that's, I think exactly. that's all good fun. Yeah. <clears throat> exactly. Like, uh, I was going to say, I wonder, like, soon you know or, or if you do that to the wrong person that's gonna you're like fucked i'm sure you know what i mean yeah. Like, oh yeah and i think that's all good fun like there's it's not hazing you know it could go it could go a lot further like if you you know it, it, it could have been a lot worse but that was you know i think that's all good fun so uh i got a story it sounds uh, okay <laughs> and i think you guys might have known this one but so anyways we were at an undisclosed location, if you will. Oh, and... yeah, yeah. I that up on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> but this, uh, this, this place, it had, uh, basically it had all the amenities. For being deployed, it was pretty sweet. Um, other than it being 175 degrees every single day. And then, <laughs> and then at night, even when the sun went down, it was still 120. Uh, but I've never, real quick, I've never been to a place where 
you could like just feel the fucking heat on your skin. You know what I mean? And the humidity, like you're normally oh you think, God. You're like, oh, it's 120 degrees. You're like, but it's a dry heat. No, it's 120 degrees with 80% humidity. You don't, you you think that's not possible, but it 100%. It's like uh, it's like when they make those jokes about like nuclear flashes when like you go outside <laughs> and you like automatically become tan or something. Like you know what I mean? Like that's uh, it, all it is is that uh, that meme from Terminator uh, <laughs> when she's holding on to the fence and the nuclear blast goes off. She instantly turns into a, a skeleton. <laughs> That's exactly what it felt like, but uh, <laughs> I will have to put that meme up um, when we when this one goes out just so we can get a refresher. Uh, but anyway, so this place was uh, even though it, was, it had like it had pool, you had ice cream, you had a couple um, like chain restaurants, they had Pizza Hut stuff like that. It was really it was actually pretty sweet uh, for being in you know, such an isolated location. But uh, what was really odd was. There's a lot of weird things that happen uh, as far as health code things. Uh, like I remember guys, oh, yeah. were, guys were flying in like uh, were finding like flies in the applesauce. Like I love yeah. applesauce, and I stopped eating applesauce. <clears throat> I heard that, and I was like, "That's crazy." And then, sure enough, I saw one, I saw some flies in there. I was like, "This is crazy." Um, it's just kind of not a very sanitary place. So at the time, I was uh, I was preparing for this assessment that I was going to go to and involve swimming and all this. And people are like, Hey, you know, stay, like, they've just put a warning out, like, Hey, make sure when you're swimming, you're taking showers and stuff like that. Like, okay, cool. Yeah. I take a shower before I go in. Um, anyways, like we're, and we're flying. Keep in mind when we were flying, a lot of times the length of our mission from takeoff to land would be anywhere from 10 and a half to, 13 hours so it could be really it'd be really long days just flying in the jet nice. um and meanwhile I, I i just remember like we i we had so we if you guys remember we had off weeks where you kind of just we wouldn't fly we just mission plan and i noticed i was like man i'm having some stomach trouble i don't know what's going on like literally i was i would eat food and within 30 minutes no lie 30 minutes i would have to take a dump and it would just be gross. Um, not to get, maybe it's TMI, but we've already had a shit story on our uh, on the podcast before. But anyways, so like I was like, man, I'm kind of worried because I'm gonna fly. And I, I I start flying in a couple of days and I'm still having this issue. Well, I'm like, okay, first flight. I don't want this to happen, so I'm gonna make sure like I don't eat like any meat or anything because you know I'm like. If I eat meat, like I, I thought for a second, because my dad has this issue where I don't know what happened to him, but he turned, I think he was probably about 35, 40, where all of a sudden he could not eat meat anymore because when he would eat meat, he basically became allergic to it and he couldn't digest it. So I was like, man, maybe I'm like, this is already happening to me. So I was like, we go, I'm like, I'm not going to eat any meat. I just got some waffles and um, I just got some waffles and some chips and I don't even think I got any fruit because I was so worried about it. So I ate the waffle and I'm like, I'm feeling good. We're about uh, three hours into the sortie, and then all of a sudden my stomach starts rumbling. I'm like, oh no, this can't be a good. This is not happening to me. And there's a standing rule on the B52 that you don't poop on the jet, even though we have a a, a shitter. 
Um, so I'm like, I'm not going to be the one to have a code brown. And the only thing that made me basically feel better was just basically kind of like knock out. Like when we weren't doing anything, we weren't taking any um, close air support timelines or anything like that. I just kind of sit back. I not, I'd knock out, and all of a sudden, like uh, I hear the the JTAC or the basically the the guy who's uh, coordinating airstrikes. He's basically briefing the air crew on how to uh, or what they're going to strike. He I hear his, him come over the radio or transmit over the radio kind of frantically. And that's why I woke up and I set up to start typing stuff into our system. And as soon as I set up, it hit me and I thought it, I was going to shit myself. Six hours. <laughs> like, I was like, it was close to, like I, I think I've shit myself one time and it was on accident before. This was like a dire emergency. All I could do is lean back in my seat. You know, the, the ejection seats, they don't lean. Like they're just, like, I just basically sat down as low as I could and was typing into the system. Meanwhile, like, you know, people's lives are at stake. I'm worried about taking a dump here <laughs> in my seat. And we ended up, like, this is probably six hours. We finished uh, a couple things, and we're eight hours in. I, I remember I said, these sorties are, you know, 10, 12 hours a lot of times. And, like, guys, we cannot extend. If we do, I'm going to shit myself. <laughs> I was like, Beaver, Baller, we need to go home. No extra staying around this time. We need to go home right now. And I'm like, okay, okay, fine. Like we're we're we basically hit the end of our time that we were scheduled to be there. So okay, we're, we're gonna go back. And I was and we max blasted back. And uh max blasted back. I get home and all of a sudden I step off the jet. I thought I was gonna have to like run to the bathroom. And I was completely fine. I was like, how is this happening? What, what, how did I just go from like ready to spray with all over the bottom of the seat to being completely fine? So we go to the maintenance debrief. And as soon as I the bus for maintenance debrief, um, I get, it hits me and I just sprint back and just, uh, come to find out. Because uh, a couple other people, I a couple other people started having this issue. Well, these guys, uh, they, I didn't go to the doc. They go to the doc and they ask, "Hey, yeah, it turns out you guys have cholera." Okay, here's the deal, folks. Um, as you probably heard, there's a lot of talking going on in the background, uh, just due to Shark being in a public place. Uh, because of that, we lost a lot of the audio um, for portions of the story. Um, and instead of continuing on, we just decided to chop this immediate section. So it may sound a little bit disjointed, but, um, we're going to be right back into the rest of the content here. But anyways, uh, so we can we come to figure out, uh, come to figure out there is an outbreak of cholera and it was being passed through the pool a lot of time. Like I said, I was swimming a lot for this assessment. And what probably happened because like, I'm not a super strong swimmer. I probably gulped down just a big old mouthful of poop water from somebody when I was swimming. Oh, shit. And, yeah, literally other shit. And uh, that's how I got. I caught cholera and had instant shits for about two and a half. Got finally figured that out. Talked to the doc. Took the pills. As soon as I took the pills, it was gone. <laughs> well, hey man. So. 
we'll just come with that story. What you got any? Like, I got a. I know I got a couple of their death-defying stories. Um, but uh, got, I know you got some. You got some probably wild things that have happened to you. Yeah, I should have uh, written more down because I know I. Uh, I knew I would like kind of forget them in the moment, kind of. But just with like um, the undisclosed location, it was just so funny how you know, after you eat, like you said, like 30 minutes later, but like, you know, cause you would eat and then you would hang around in the cafeteria talking. And like, of course, with our schedule, you would always like run into other people. Like it was always interesting or cool to see like the person who's like your schedule was opposite essentially. Yeah. You know what I mean? So you always <clears> ran into <throat> them at the same time in the same location, but you never really like, um, were doing things together, I suppose. Yeah. Well, but, it was uh, kinda, go ahead. Sorry. <clears throat> yeah. So it, you know, towards the end of the deployment, um, it would like I would leave the cafeteria and instantly my fucking stomach would just drop or like it would be like the halfway point. So we would walk, <laughs> we would walk this like long stretch. I don't know. What, what do you think that like distance was like? Uh, it's probably about 600 to 800 meters. Yeah. So um, we would do that and uh, like I, my stomach would drop and I like. I, I remember there was a few times somebody was talking to me and like I was having a conversation with somebody <laughs> and I, I just like stopped responding. <laughs> Cause you just spoke. Yeah. I just had to concentrate on not shitting myself. <laughs> the the you know what I mean? Like, yeah. dude, the, the, not to get into the politics of it, but it's like we were in some shitty, or I mean, people have been in worse locations, but oh yeah, it's just a shitty region. You know what I mean? Like a shitty, just like, like that, that place is, as the history books have talked about, like that's kind of the place uh, where things die, or you know, yeah, empires go to die almost. Yeah. Uh, no, we weren't in that. Like, no, now that is, that is an actual place. That's not what we were talking about. But um, yeah, there's a lot. Of, there's a lot of that going on. It's just a really odd place. I mean, we were on the water, you know, but uh, and I'm sure we can t- talk about it. But who cares? Um, what I what I think he said was really interesting because. As, as far as people on opposite schedule, because we went from essentially even the new guys who came with us, which most of them weren't most of the people who went with us weren't new guys. They had been around for at least a year. You know, um, you had guys basically who you had spent, you know, every like every day work with. You hung out with them on the weekend. You see them like you'd have really good friends, but then they'd be the opposite schedule and for essentially six months you never saw them even though they were there part of the same reason you were there and you just never saw them you might see them in passing but it was just yeah uh, who who is that for you mine was uh suede i I think i saw him like twice i'm trying to think who did i never really see uh the person who i wouldn't see if he like so i spent like uh Lord, he was uh, one of my. He's still one of my good friends, and we, we even when we were back in Mana, we spent a good amount of time to get, uh, hanging out, or I'd say re- like a, a whole lot, but re- relatively amount. But he was my roommate, and if it were not for me being roommates, I would have never seen him. <clears throat> I, I'd see, I'd see him like sometimes we'd be up at the same time, or he'd um, he'd be getting up when I'd be going to sleep, which also. When I found out Lord was my roommate, because he was my roommate on my very first deployment as well. <laughs> and this is this is so this is a story um, talking about, um, I guess, not against uh, a deployment story. But 
he, uh, so <clears throat> I get to like my first woman, I'm in the squadron and I literally had I met, I knew like two people in the squadron and I had deployed as soon as I got there pretty much. Um, as soon as I got to the squadron within third, within three weeks of me arriving in Minot, I was deployed. And, uh, so I'm like, Oh, you know, okay. I got this, I got this one roommate, no big deal. Um, cause Lord hadn't got there. They got stuck. Um, I think in Hawaii, maybe for a couple of days. So I'm like living it up for like a week, just sleeping, um, sound like a baby trying to get used to Guam and because it's, you know, it's 15 hours difference from what I was used to. So completely off the side of the schedule. Excuse me. Well, finally, Lord shows up. Seems like a decent guy. First night, uh, I go to sleep and I'm a, I'm a, I get up in the middle of the night to go to the bathroom all the time. And I get up and I just hear, I don't hear it initially, but I come back from the bathroom and I just hear this God awful sound. And I'm like, what is that? No, like. What's going on? Um, it sounds like a train rolling by, right? Yeah, like when somebody says sawing logs, I literally mean sawing logs with a chainsaw. And it's just it like if like I'm gonna give you, I'm about to play a sound. Um, people with earbuds uh, or headphone users, beware! It literally, and I, this is not an exaggeration, sounds like this. <laughs> I'm like, what in the world? I was like, dude. It sounds like he's like fighting for his life, like throwing up. <laughs> Every two seconds, he's fighting for his life, <laughs> and uh, like he's it's a constant struggle to breathe at night. So he's like he's sawing logs. I'm like, so like at first I'm like, okay, I try to ignore it, and then I can't go to sleep. So I'm like, I just yell at him like, hey, and he wakes up, and then I just go back to sleep because um, it stops. And that happens for a couple nights, and eventually it gets so bad where, man, I end up basically just sleeping on the couch. Um, and then we alternate, like, he'll sleep on the couch one night, then I'll sleep on the couch. And it's bad enough where I'll sleep on the couch, and with the door closed, I can still hear him snoring. So that guy, man, if you guys ever, uh, if you guys know Lord, give him shit about his snoring. <laughs> but anyways, uh, I thought, because Lord is my roommate again for when we were, um, we were on this deployment, um, the combat deployment, and I was like, dang it, I'm not going to get any sleep, and especially we're like, we're out here, like, you know, doing work, and I'm like, I can't afford to be, like, sleep deprived here. Well, to my surprise, like, those, that building was, it, you couldn't hear a word. Uh, I didn't hear, I never heard more snore, uh, Lord snore once. Uh, it was pretty crazy, so, Yeah. Oh man, that shit's crazy, dude. Yeah, <laughs> we got on that topic, but um, yeah. Oh, just because he was your roommate uh, in the. Uh... Oh yeah, who I said yeah, I, I would I probably would have never saw him, um, but yeah, I'd say probably him would be the closest one. I I got a I got a story, so I I don't know. I, I guess I'm get, kind of getting into the realm sometimes of. Uh, telling other people's or not other people's stories, like not pulling a ball or where it's like, it's somebody else's total story and he wasn't <laughs> even there and he pretends like he is. But, um, so in the, in the FTU where we, you know, learned how to fly the buff, uh, in 
uh, Barksdale. Um, you know, we're, we're kind of new and we're learning. And there's this training manual to tell us, like, basically on each sortie or each event, what we, like, should prepare for and what we should do, which, by the way, is, like, incredible. And, like, that's, I mean, that's what you should always aim for, right? But, of course, the um, sidebar, the instructors, like, never uh, use it, right? Like, it's, like, uh, be able to say what, um, you know, 32 times 7 is or something. And then yeah. they, they come in and they're like, hey, what's, uh, you know, 528 divided by 3 to the cubed root or something like that? It's like, what? Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? And they're, like, they're like, did you not prepare for this? But um, <laughs> we go in, we're doing some pre-mission planning, I think, for our check ride. And one of the guys, if you know Cosmo, he uh, – <laughs> oh, shit. Hold on. Let me write this down. I got another story about him, actually. <laughs> uh, Cosmo – uh, he turns to one of my friends who's now in the 96. He he turns to Hodor and he's like, hey, man, do you know on this sortie you're supposed to do a timing problem? <laughs> and everybody just like stops what they're doing and looks over at Cosmo and he's <laughs> there like, dude, what the fuck did you just say? Because, I, you know, on all these stories, there's always like inherently a timing problem, you know, and I think just in the, tra- in the training manual, it just says like, you know, then the nav will work on timing, you know, obviously yeah. that thing. But Hodor had a funny response. He's like, because uh, Cosmo was the pilot, and Hodor is like, Cosmo, every time you fucking, I tell you to change the airspeed, what do you, why do you think I'm doing that? <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that shit, I mean, that's kind of... That's uh, Cosmo. That's a little bit powerful the course with him sometimes. Yeah. He's just like he's like super smart in some areas, but other areas he's like very just like, huh? You know. Somebody asked me about him the other day. He's like, hey, do you know this guy? I was like, yeah, he seems like he's famous. Like he's he's got a story for everything. Uh, he's like involved. He's he's got like Forrest Gump almost. Like he's involved in a lot of different stuff. <laughs> yeah, so that actually is a good uh, segue to my story of, or maybe just kind of like anecdotes, I suppose of um you know during global thunder where we uh you know it's a big event every year where we test our capabilities <clears throat> but it's a kind of special in the sense that barksdale and minot both you know get combined and like um you know we're working side by side or like near each other uh and we don't usually see each other so everybody or a lot of people probably listening to this podcast know triton um and he's that guy he's that guy in your group who's like got the craziest stories like I yeah. think one time I was smoking a cigar with him, and he was like, ah, oh, man, last time I smoked a cigar when I was on top of Matt Kilimanjaro. <laughs> and everybody else was like, uh, last time I smoked a cigar, I was in college just in a house or something. You know, yeah. like, well, last time I smoked just, a cigar was like two days ago, I guess. <laughs> like nothing spectacular. Yeah, dude. By the way, I love smoking the old cigars. I think that's such a that that would be great um to do that and podcast at the same time, right? Yeah. That'd be pretty sweet. But um so anyway, yeah, that's who Triton is. He's always got these crazy stories. He's like doing all this crazy shit. So he's that guy and like nobody else really compared to him in the squadron. But then Cosmo comes along and we both are in the uh the knock at the same time, basically this room where you kinda wait. And uh we're just talking and they're basically like into or like somehow we get on the topic or like similar topics and they're basically going tat tick for tat for with each other. And, uh, but like 
kind of indirectly and also kind of because Bose is um, kind of, uh, you know, what's it called? Bo- Bose is an instigator. It's Yeah, he, he's kind of like instigator. <laughs> but we're just like, like, I don't know, Triton's like, oh, I, uh, you know, climbed the Kilimanjaro, like I said. And then Cosmo's like, oh, I, uh, I was on... I did like astronaut training with the astronauts yesterday or something. What? <laughs> just something crazy, you know? And it was just funny because at some point Bose just stops because him and Triton kind of, you know, joke around with each other, maybe don't get along uh, the best all the time. But uh, <laughs> Bose just is like, damn, Triton, Cosmo's a better Triton than you are. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, dude. That, some of the. Some of the best times were generating, I think, uh, just because of all the shenanigans that. Oh, dude, we could do like a whole fucking podcast, all the shenanigans that have happened on the on uh, generating. But it's just like such a high stress environment, not stress, but like very rigid, and like it just creates funny situations because you got to follow the rules, and certain things are supposed to happen at certain times. But yeah. then, you know. Uh, so speaking of that. Um... This is again because like I think a lot of these stories and we could probably do more on these later and get more into meat. We kind of had we kind of got derailed a little bit in the beginning. Yeah, Sorry, I think Shark, uh, Shark, you. We're not blaming you, but I think, too I, much think going on in the I think Shark has a lot to offer, but mostly because he's a narcissistic bastard. But uh, <laughs> I think I think he. Uh, I'm sure he's got a lot of stories that no, could. He, uh, he actually does have some funny ones. <laughs> and we've all yeah. talked about. But uh, speaking of high stress situations, so um, without getting into to too too many details, um, essentially this is something that again when you when you're doing, um, I mean we, we're on a bomber. You're when you're doing bomber things, um, it, it can be very stressful, especially if you're doing it for real. And like we take, I think we a lot of us take a lot of pride in making sure we have as many as many pieces of the puzzle. So um, only the intended action happens. So to be not to be a little bit morbid, but the only only what we intend to blow up blows up, right? Yeah, absolutely. And like I said, we 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 pride ourselves, on it. and I think everybody who's part of the close air support team does this as well. But anyways. So we were, uh, we were again, we were on this combat deployment, and we've been watching this house, and we were, we knew we were gonna blow up this house that had, um, just like I think it was just like hazardous materials in it or something. We were waiting for everybody to basically walk away, get away, so we could um, blow this house up. Well, we go finally, every like everybody's gone completely, like no one, like no one's even near this, like they're they're away, like you know they're really far away, and. Uh, I'm I'm sitting there watching because everybody has a screen in the cock, and um, we we drop a bomb and we're waiting for it to hit the ground, and this the picture's not very good, and all of a sudden I see something walk into the frame. I was like, oh no! And my my thoughts were like, this some poor some bitch walked out of the woods and just walked right into like this house and walks right behind it. And sure enough, boom, house blows up. And I was like, guys, there's somebody like, there was somebody who just walked in like, no, no, we like, we were watching the whole time. There was no one like, I'm telling you right now. If only, somebody- if only people knew the fucking crew dynamics that you experienced. <laughs> yeah. Where everybody, 
everybody on there is right, you know, yeah, except for yeah. you, except like exactly. Uh, so I'm like, dudes, there was somebody who walked out, and we just smoked them, and they're like, like no, I, we they rewatched the footage, like because you can rewind it. Like I don't see anybody. I'm t- I was like, dude, I'm telling you, he walked in from the top right of the screen and walked in. So we land, you know, six hours, however many hours later, and. Uh, we watching this, we watching the screen. I'm like, look right here, right here. And like, I point up and you sure enough, you can see this figure walk. And I was like, fuck man. Like we just messed up. And then, so we sent up the report. I'm like, Hey, we accidentally, I'm like this guy, he literally came out of, out of nowhere, like this six foot tall brush, just out of nowhere. And like, man, we felt bad. And then they get there, thought we were riding back to the bus and we are like, okay, whatever. <laughs> they call us. Uh, basically, the per- somebody else was watching this in another asset, and they had a better fidelity. Turns out, this was just a cow that wandered into the picture out of nowhere, like literally out of nowhere, no pasture, nothing. We were looking everywhere, and it was just a cow. And we're like, oh my god! <laughs> of all things that happened, because it looked as from the fidelity we had, we thought it was, you know, like I said, it looked like a person, but. We look. We got. We ended up getting the footage. And you're like, yeah, sure, shit. It was just a cow. Um, so we were like, and we we thought it was hilarious because we were convinced it was this person. It's just, it was really like, is we felt we went from being really sad to being extremely happy that it was not a person, even though it was a cow. But and we kind of joked. Somebody got some, you know, barbecue ribs later in the day. But um, <laughs> just, it's just a, one of those things. Like it's just odd stories like that. Like things like that happen all the time. Or not that specific, but. Just weird things that aren't necessarily funny, but it, it ends up being funny at the end of the day. Um, I got a good one from, or one that Walken and I really like from training was, and again, this is his story or he heard it, but so like, dude, it must be crazy to be like, imagine being like the IFT or IFS um, uh, or even the UFT um, instructors. Yeah. Like, these guys that you're with have no fucking clue what they're doing. Oh, you're talking about the students, right? Yeah, yeah. Sorry. And then, you know, you got to basically teach them, like, the basics and, like, hope hope they, like, know their ass from their elbow by the time they get out. You know what I mean? Yeah. But, so, one time, you know, it was, we obviously dealt with the circle, so it's 360 degrees. And so, you know, you'd have to tell the pilot the heading to go. Uh, for all the turns, which sounds simple, but you know they say, <laughs> <laughs> they say when you like, uh, you know, go up in the air, what is it like? You lose like ten percent of your like brain. <laughs> or lose at least a quarter. Yeah, and just something happens where you just like become dumber. Like if you know something okay on the ground, you're basically not going to know it when you get in the air. Yeah. So stupid, so funny shit happens. That's why this, you know, podcast has such potential. But, um, so. Welcome tells me that this instructor IP was telling him that um, like some guy was like, hey, uh, turn right to heading 380. And, <laughs> and it's obviously, you know, that should really be 020, but because right. um, 360 is the max. But so the IP, instead of like explaining or whatever, he's like, uh, dude, I can't do that. And he and the student for some reason thought that he meant like uh, like the 
aircraft couldn't do that, like perform. And so he just screams at the top of his lungs, give her all she's got. <laughs> You're like, I can't. Like, I, I can't. Uh, That's funny. Yeah, they must see this some funny shit. I can't imagine. I can't imagine their roll calls, but I remember just when like ever I would fuck up or something like that. I uh, you kn- you knew you fucked up when the IP <laughs> would just fucking yank and bank the shit out of you. You know, like I like I think I was. Uh, we were on a low level, so a little bit more of a dangerous environment, I suppose. And I was kind of making a mistake or something like that. And I like looked down for a split second to like. Uh, look at some, you know, figure something out, and I just felt my, you know, the fucking like four G's or whatever it was, just get like yanked, and I, you know, we were just making like a hard left turn or something like yeah. that. Like bring you out your head down, and then all of a sudden when he starts pulling on the stick, like your head just snaps to the floor. It's yeah. Like, How'd you do with the uh, GX? Like where they oh, test how many G's you could do. Dude, I loved it. Uh, my like so I wasn't very good in that training, but. Uh, the probably the best compliment I ever got out of any of those rides was my very first one. The instructor wrote, "I was a a quote unquote G monster." Because <laughs> <laughs> people thought it was hilarious that I said this, but like, I mean, that like, apparently it's a thing. I'm not a fighter pilot, so I don't know. Uh, but he was like, "He's a G monster," because like I never had to really uh, like I didn't really have to G strain much. I was just like, "Yeah, okay." Jeez, dude, I I think I got to four and I, well. I was also feeling shitty because I got, you know, I had some air sickness and that was the first sortie. And of course, uh, yeah. they're like trying to build your tolerance or trying to basically, they're trying to see if you're going to wash out. So they like, you know, you're doing all the maneuvers in the first few flights there. But yeah, I got, I think I four was like, I didn't do so well. So they were just like, ah, I would just stop there. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but dude, you know what's crazy is when the, maybe I'm blowing up their spa a little bit here, but when the pilot students go to uh, the centrifuge, yeah. And they basically, like, uh, especially, I guess, uh, well, I guess they go there for when they track T-38s, right? Yeah. And I remember some some guys would tell me, like, they would just, like, not, well, essentially cheat, I guess, but, like, kind of, you know, play the game a little bit where they, like, basically passed out towards the end of it, but they were able to, like, maintain it enough that they, like, passed, passed the test, essentially. And dude, that shit's crazy. I don't know how they how they did that. I remember they like came back and had like what is it? The like the G measles or something? I over yeah, it's called or like, like pops and blood vessels and stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That shit's crazy. I'm not I'm not about that life. I'm okay. <laughs> I, I think I, I'd like to try it, um, but I will caveat that I would like to try it if I was going through like if I was going to be a fighter pilot. I wouldn't want to just like oh let's just try this. We had a guy in my uh, class. He that's what he did. He was a um, I can't remember if he was stationed there or if he was just he just kind of got a like incentive thing, but he uh, I don't know his call sign. He's a buff guy, um, but because because I'm just not I wasn't stationed with him, but he uh, he went to the centrifuge just for fun basically, and he said it was crazy. But he this guy's always super positive. He's like everything he does is fun, um, but yeah, I I would not just do that just just for shits and gigs. Yeah. Um, do you remember that? Oh, well, actually, I should explain my. Um, I've never had tunnel vision before, and I never like understood it was what it was until 
that happened. And I think I, I probably G strained wrong or I'm just a bitch, I suppose. <laughs> but yeah, I, I like the, my field of view was basically starting to narrow and it was really, it was fucking, yeah, it was fucking crazy. Yeah. That's wild. So I was, I was like basically ready to pass out, but he like the, I, luckily those guys are so experienced, like we said, because you know, you're dealing with somebody who has no idea what's happening. Um, and they just basically like, he's like, okay, well that's enough. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, yeah, you're probably good. Yeah. Yeah. No, I never had that happen to me. Uh, I'm always curious to see what would happen, but yeah, not curious enough to try to just do it. Yeah. I mean, it's, you know, being a student is always so funny because, and you know, it's, it's, it's always interesting when you like, when you're at one level and you like think these things about the next level and then you get to the (laughs) next level and you realize why those things kind of happen sometimes, but it's just like, the instructors would just like do random shit. Like I think I can't remember. I mean, either way, I like we weren't supposed to really uh, control the aircraft in uh, UCT, like undergraduate nav training. Mm-hmm. But my IP kept pushing for me to just like fly it in terms of like um, as if like I was getting graded on it and I like needed to or something. He's like, okay, you go ahead and do a uh, uh, whatever, like a fucking loop or split ass. I don't know what I'm saying, but something yeah. you know? <laughs> yeah. and uh and i don't know he just like he expects me to know all the, like the power settings and all that kind of type of shit and i'm like D- you do not want me to do this i think i i think i ended up like making us go uh negative g's and dude that feels fucking horrible <laughs> yeah. even like the negative one was like ugh. yeah it's like when you go over a roller coaster yeah uh, yeah so, that yeah. it like fucking just th- like throws your stomach up like yeah, literally. I don't like that. I don't like that feeling. What when, yeah. when I skydived, I got that. That was the first time in a while. Oh, right. it, it, it was for like about six seconds, and oh, I really? wasn't. Shit. Yeah, like because people say, oh, it's not, it's not bad when you skydive because um, you only feel it for a split second. And it was like, no, I felt it. Like I jumped out, and I was like, dude, I, I know. Like I know, eventually you're gonna hit like your like you're gonna it's gonna even out where you don't you're not accelerating, but. It, I was like, oh, I hate this feeling. Dude, but, six uh, seconds, that's a fucking long time. Dude, yeah. And then, like, that's what makes you realize, like, thank you, like, if you get sucked out of an airplane or something, you're like, you're going to feel that, and then you're just going to, like, be falling, no parachute. Like, that's kind of, like, that's not a great feeling, I guess. But, yeah. Uh, I'm trying to think. Do you, you got any stories about, like, times you thought you were going to die <laughs> when you're flying or uh or times that you thought you might uh like you might eject or something yeah actually my f- <laughs> <laughs> my first fucking sortie in the buff man what i think my first sortie in the buff i like unless i didn't know what was happening which seems to be a constant theme with me and hasn't <laughs> hasn't changed since is I'm pretty sure that was one of the closest I ever got to ejecting. And I was like, what the fuck am I getting myself into here? You know, like what happened? we, um, I don't know. We had like some kind of hydraulic issues and, um, wait, hold on. Let me make a note real quick. Uh, we had some kind of hydraulic issue and like the IP was working through it and stuff like that. And we like, like it was the kind of EP where you we went and like um, held and had to talk to the dip and like figure shit out. Really. And and it was like 
it was the, like the dip is the duty instructor pilot. So basically yeah. they, they're the person who's sits there. And if there's any kind of emergency that you like the air crew can't figure out, the DDIP will um, basically, since he's not the one flying or she's not the one flying, they'll work through the problem themselves and like look in all the technical orders and all that stuff. And we should say like, like we said, when you're on the ground or when you get in the air, you're like dumber than when you are on the ground. So that's why it's good to have a dip because you can have somebody on the ground who's like thinking kind of clearly. And um, uh, yeah, basically ground speed zero is what we kind of call it. But um, but shit, what was it? What else was I going to say? Oh, yeah. In addition to that, like I always used to think pilots or whoever were like fucking so smart because they knew what to do but really all we do is like read this manual that tells us what to do like step by step i mean a lot of it is like you know maybe it's not written down so it's not straightforward so you have to kind of figure it out yourself or sometimes you have to like break a rule because of the situation type of thing yeah but in this situation so it you know basically drove us to like you know it said like do this and then do this and then do this and then do this you know if not do this and then do this you know and we basically we were getting towards this the spot of like I like I'm pretty sure like we the next step is yeah the next step was like eject because I think we I oh I think it was we couldn't get the gear down oh and I believe the buff can't you're not supposed you're you're supposed to eject instead of uh right with the gear up so yeah we were almost there and of course so (laughs) wow the, the fucking instructors that were with us um one of them's in the reserve so you know the reserve is i think that's kind of normal to most people understand that but these guys are flying usually or they have more experience than the active duty guys like the kind of the ordinary military i suppose you would say because you know they can basically stay in longer uh in a way but or like stay flying for longer but so that this guy is my instructor, the one of the uh, old experienced guys, like the radio guy, like he like re- he retired after I don't know fucking forty years of service after <laughs> like two two weeks later or something, but yeah. uh, uh, it was Merman if you ever knew him. Merman, but, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but he. Uh, <laughs> oh man, I got another story <laughs> about him in the petty <laughs> or the offline podcast, but uh, yeah, he was just like calm. So it makes me think that maybe I was wrong type of thing, but I'm pretty sure it was like, we were definitely having an issue with a gear now that I think about it and it wasn't coming down like step after step. And I was just like, uh, there's three more steps before yeah. we got eject. There's two more steps and before it, we got eject. And it's we're on our last one. <laughs> it's one of those things where it's like, you know, you think in the moment it's just going to be crazy and like, uh, you know, shit's going to be happening or whatever else. But it was just like so normal. It was just like, okay, um, go ahead and try this. And it's like, yeah, we tried that. Um, it's still showing in the red. Um, okay, go ahead and uh, give it this. What number is that showing? Uh, it's showing this and that. And, you know, it's like, and it was just like, okay, I guess uh, <laughs> this would just wait for, you know, we're like 10,000 feet above the ground or 10,000 MSL or whatever, you know, and it's just like, yeah. fuck. <laughs> well, it's one of those things, and like I think you're probably at this point now, um, uh, or getting there at least. Where I don't think any of like us young bucks will probably ever get there until we get that 20, 30 years time, um, where emergencies happen, and you just like it doesn't do any good to freak out about them. You're either gonna like you're either gonna fix it or you're not. 
And if you don't, hopefully you can figure out a way to get out of there or minimize the damage, right? Yeah, that is so uh, true. And it's also going out of that, like making that bigger picture. It's like that's the way that a lot of people who like Tom Brady or whoever else has talked about, I think, um, or at least the way I think about it, like how you can stay calm in those situations. It's like you're going to figure it out. You don't know. Or I mean, like, yeah. like whatever's going to happen is going to happen and you're going to work through it. Like if I think about ejecting right now, it's like, holy shit. But if it actually happened, then I would just like deal with it as it came, or I guess I would die. I don't, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> like uh, you know, it's like when they say like your, uh, if you have to fix your parachute or something, it's like, well, you have the rest of your life to figure it out. You know what I mean? Yeah, exactly. <clears throat> uh, I think go ahead. Unless you had more for that one, I think I had a, I got one more to, and I'll try to keep it short because we're about fifty-eight minutes. But who knows? We might end up cutting all the beginning out. Uh, um. No, yeah. I don't think I don't think much else. I think maybe just talking about real quick, just the almost just like the sense of flying of like I think everybody's kind of used to it with like uh, commercial flights, but I don't know. It, it affects people differently. Like my air sickness, you know, they say it's um, genetics and stuff. Not to make me feel better, <laughs> but but uh, but just in addition to that, like you get dehydrated because of the pressurization you get dehydrated like at least for me i don't feel like i need to like eat or anything which is what leads to the problems or like drink water you know and some people say like oh i can't drink water at all otherwise i feel worse but like for the most part you should probably drink water because you know your your body is basically starving especially if you do like a 23 hour mission or something like that yeah you get you gotta like if you if you get behind on that curve like i remember we were talking about one of his friends who he flew with and they were doing like a 20 hour mission or something like that and he like looked at him and he was just like pale white because he hadn't been like hydrating at all yeah um but yeah just to touch on that and it's you know, everybody. I remember, I remember Doc would talk about this because, um, you know, back in the day, he used to be a little bit more uh, perturbed about flying type of, or like, you know, not enjoyed as much, which uh, can happen. But he would just talk about how, like, you know, everybody thinks like when they when they think about flying, they're like, oh, it's the fucking coolest thing ever, you know? Like they think about like Top Gun and like you know, <laughs> just like yanking and banking through like the canyons and you can see outside and stuff like that. Yeah. But it's like. On the inside, it's really just, I mean, for like, especially NAVs and EDUBs, it's like, you're just like basically on a computer screen in the air or like sitting yeah. at a computer. You're you sit, like you're, you're, you're sitting at a yeah, computer screen, like doing a simulator on the, in the air instead of doing it on the ground. And you got to like, you know, make sure you got enough food and all this type of stuff. And like in my night, it sucks because they don't have food on the flight line, but Bark still does. And you know what I mean? So it's like, if you forget food, you're basically fucked. You know, it's like. It's, I do it's, miss making uh, breakfast burritos, though. I'd, ha- I'd make one of those every single time. Yeah, that's good shit. I, yeah, and we should say we we do have an oven, which – so that's – sidebar, of course, but that comes from – is, is it true that comes from the uh, engine bleed air? Like, no, I, I don't think it comes from the engine bleed air. Not that I know of. From my understanding, it's just a coil. Um, and it's, it heats up to 400 degrees, um, uh, and it doesn't go any hotter than that. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah. But I yeah, don't... that thing, that thing goes fucking, you know, zero to a hundred or zero <laughs> to 400 real quick. Real quick. <laughs> so whatever happens, so at the end, so you, obviously you're here, 
But what happened to the, <laughs> the <laughs> what happened to the end of that story? I think it was you know as usual it's just so fucking uh, anticlimactic. It's like they're like oh okay and try this. Nope, didn't work. Okay, and try this. Oh, worked. Okay, well, see ya. <laughs> yeah, and we just land. Oh, shit, that reminds me of another fucking story. Oh, God. Uh-oh. This one's... Um, I, this one, I fucked up big time here. Oh. oh. So, as, as usual... Like, we almost died. As usual... <laughs> as usual with... Um, uh, what's it called? Uh, students. Like, we have no fucking idea what we're doing. And, you know, like, the typical student instructor relationship is like as the instructor you know you should know how much they know and all that like you should really get to know them but of course us like rushing especially nowadays they're trying to fucking pump students out like nothing um you know you don't really have time to get to know them or anything like that so you're just like you know get going and you just expect they know some stuff sometimes so we were doing like an uh, emergency procedure approach just for practice and they asked me to, as the nav, to like, because, you know, the pods are busy looking outside. And they asked me as the nav, since we have like, you know, kind of a brain bite or, you know, a second, uh, to look up the approach speed or touchdown speed or whatever it was. Uh, what is it? Approach speed, I think. Yeah. Um, but so I have no fucking idea what I'm looking for here. Uh, no, so I, no. I like, I like look to my instructor and I'm like, uh, I think, yeah, I probably could have done a better job with this, but. <laughs> But I was basically like, I kind of like pointed to it, I think, and I'm like, just put your finger on the page. Yeah, I was like, is this the what? Like, is this the page? I mean, where, where am I looking here? And he's like, yeah, he's kind of, he kind of gives me them, which is another pet peeve of mine is when people just give you motion signs and they don't just talk because they can talk in the <laughs> microphone, you know? Yeah. And he just like motions like, come on, fucking do it, dude. And I'm like, okay. And I just say like, uh, it's. You know, I see a number. And I'm like, oh, I think that's it. It's uh, 123. And they're like, okay, 123. And we get going, and we get into fucking initial buffet, like what? Seven thousand feet above, or like oh. I guess like four thousand feet above the ground. That's scary. Oh, yeah, and oh, the fucking boy. IP, like, of course, my fellow student pilot gets in trouble for like flying my airspeed, but he's like yeah. flying too low. I mean, I think they, you know, in the debrief, I was like, yeah, I fucked up. And I mean, everybody kind of knew it, you know, but um, they were just like, he was just like, dude, that's, we're fucking initial buff. And he like slams the throttles forward, you know what I mean? Yeah. And yeah, obviously we recovered, but it's like, oops. (laughs) So uh, for, again, the uninitiated, do you want to explain initial buffet or? Yeah. So if you've ever played, this is funny because. Or when I first figured out what like stalling and that type of stuff is, was in the simulator or the um, flight simulator, you know, the video game. Because mm-hmm. I remember I had no idea what was happening. Like I was just like pressing buttons on the in the video game, and like the the plane would just like start saying stall or something and just like fucking fall out of the sky. <laughs> and I was, like, like, start over or something. But it's basically when you stall. So I guess scientifically you don't have. I mean, basically what makes you fly is higher pressure air below the wing you know, yep. gives you lift uh, versus above it so that, you know, that's that's why the the wing is uh, formed the way that it is. <clears throat> so stalling makes basically is, is, is making you lose that uh, or like, you know, it's not uh, the right ratio. <clears throat> so that's what initial buffet is for us because some airplanes, uh, depends on what they do, they, they can practice stalls and like recover from them. 
but you ain't recovering from a stall and uh, a buff. So yeah. we get to we basically get to initial initial buff. It is us like approaching stall, <clears throat> and that's that's the furthest we go. So, and actually, when I did it at CFIC, like it, it was actually really important to redo it because um when i you know you do it in the ftu and they show you what it feels like you know but i like completely forgot what it felt like uh until i went to cfic and they like did it again yeah it feels like um you know basically the essentially a good way to think about it is the the plane is struggling to keep going forward and stay in the air so the wings are like kind of fluttering almost and you can kind of if yeah. you like pay attention you feel the the difference and you can also tell in the jet sometimes when it's like super quiet like you can almost like talk to each other yeah as there's, to the, there's very little airflow going over the wings and just the yeah. surface of the body um yeah. and it's shaking because there's just no no airflow going over the top of the wing um or bottom or it's relative to where the airplane is moving yeah but. and uh yeah so uh might be on that one guys yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh yeah that's uh yeah that's pretty scary because like I said four thousand feet is not very much to recover especially in the B fifty two that's wild. And uh, uh, go ahead. Sorry, now now some stories are flooding back here. <laughs> uh, real quick, the T six. Oh. I remember. So we have the the bolt man. After you listen to this podcast, if you didn't know what aviation was, you're gonna you're gonna be like, "Fuck, this is the gouge right here, right?" <laughs> it's the uh. The bold print was basically how you save yourself from like, um, what is it called? Like time critical actions that you need to perform yeah, basically cool. in order to save yourself. Yeah. Um, so with that one, if you got into, I guess it was a spin or kind of the stall, um, you would have to, you know, I, I guess I can't remember it completely, but you have to let go of the controls and bring the PCL, the throttle basically uh, to idle, like the lowest yeah. setting. And the say like that plane is good enough to fit like it'll naturally uh, fix itself or like right itself, whereas the buff wouldn't, I suppose. Yeah. You know? But um, I remember, you know, you, you go through and you just like learn, you just memorize that and you don't really have like kind of context or like the reason behind it. But then like, you know, we fly it and then let's say like a year later at, we're done flying it or sorry. Um, after we're done flying it, like a year later, we graduate, and my sister's in the in the T uh, six sim just for like kind of the, you know, family day, and she gets herself into a spin or something like that, and I looked at like the instructor or the uh, sim operators, and I'm like, uh, kind of like, are you gonna help her or are you gonna fix this? And they're like, dude, you got it, and I'm like, uh, not really. I don't but, got it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, but then I just like I just like kind of reason it out almost, and I'm just like just let go of that thing and let's put this all the way down and then it fixes up and i was like holy shit that was like kind of you know like the aviation sensor like the yeah. reasoning coming in like as i'm graduating of course that's when i figure out like why we actually did that like two years ago you know yeah but yeah. uh go ahead yeah and i know like walken talks about how he would like think about you know the whole metal process like if we do an EP and um, that's how you're supposed to think is like maintain aircraft control, analyze the situation, take appropriate action and land as soon as conditions permit. <clears throat> he would like do that. He would like, he like realized that one time when his car um, had like a, you know, <laughs> like a warning signal or whatever it is. Yeah. He, like, he was like, Oh shit. And he like thought quickly, like, okay, am I still driving? Am I like in the right lane? Yeah. 
what is it saying? Okay, it's saying this, so I got to do this. And then I guess land as soon as conditions permit would be like pull over on the side of the road or something. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, depending so. on how how serious it is. Yeah. They, uh, that's that's funny because it, it reminds me of NAD training. So uh, I know one specific or actually kind of similar to your T6 story. <laughs> I, I took my dad to the T1. So my dad is kind of who started me off in aviation. He always wanted to fly. He never had the opportunity just because life and all that stuff. But uh, we went to the T1 sim and I'm like showing them how like and at this point you hadn't flown the T like at the end of training you hadn't flown the T1 in probably the actual T1 probably three months two months maybe so all the stuff you just kind of brain dump the stuff that you weren't doing in the that you weren't doing um, when you're actually flying so he's flying and like we go like do like they call it the Vegas tour where you basically just fly low level around Las Vegas and then you land it and. <laughs> The approach speeds aren't like they're, they're not fast, but I was having them fly this to like 300 knots and like they got warning horns going off, all the crazy stuff. And the instructor's like, you got to do this. I was like, am I, and I'm trying to remember how to do it. And I was like, I can't remember. I was like, and I just look at my dad, just, just keep going. <laughs> Basically, <laughs> he puts the gear down, warning horns are going off. Uh, and he just, he lands at like 250 knots, puts it on the ground, like shaking and he takes back off. And then I look back at the, like, the civilian instructor, and he just shakes his head. And I was like, hey, man, I can't remember this shit at all. Yeah, and, like, I wish they had, for as often as they do that especially, I wish they had, like, family mode, you know, where it's, like, <laughs> where it's more like a video game, like, you know, like, when you use, like, the keyboard, and it's, like, up and down is, like, you know, so easy with the sensitivity, and it's, like, really simple to do, you know, like, more uh, user-friendly, I suppose, but... It's like it's like you know if my sister lands the plane does that mean she's like a pilot now you know what I mean like you're, it's this is not fun you know what I mean yeah. like uh, I got one more story for uh, when I thought I might have to eject um, so this is on my first appointment we if you if anybody remembers I think it was I think it was Chewy and Spice uh, were the pilots I think Spice was going through. Her, uh, I think she was going through her AC or aircraft commander upgrade, maybe, or maybe he, she, she was just uh like Chewy was just since he was an instructor, he was just like coaching her through stuff. So like, okay, we're gonna do a speed down. So in the B fifty two, speed down is really uh, dangerous because there you can get into a situation. And one crew did have this happen where um, you're going fast enough, and the you have it's called a runaway trim, I believe. It's been a few, I've been out of the game for a few years, but I think it's called Runaway Trim, yeah. where basically the the trim tab or the uh, not the trim tab, but the uh, the trim the elevator trim um, starts winding so fast that you can't provide enough elevator authority, so up and down authority to stop you from nosing over. Well, and they notice this happens in speed down, so you're all, like whenever you do a speed down, pucker factor is always up. While it's kind of fun initially because um, you, you at, at first you have like a little bit of zero G where like I know a lot of times like when we would do speed downs I'd like grab water bottles and stuff and as soon as we nose over I'd start tossing them in the air and you could kind of see it float there um, I know it's maybe not the 100% not the right thing to do but it was fun um, 
And so we were like, okay, we're going to, we briefed up, we're going to do the speed down and we're going to recover at 5,000 feet. So we can go do, you know, like a low level bombing run over FDM or I don't, I think it's Fairlawn to Million or something like that. This is a little island out in the middle of the Pacific. So we go to the speed down and we get to, you know, 6,000 feet. And I'm just sitting there watching the altimeter on my screen. And we're not slowing down. Like, okay. I have 5,000 feet. I'm like, okay, so we should be leveling off. And we're still going. I'm like, this is kind of odd, but I'm still new. And I'm sure many of the people have been in this scenario, not just in the flying world, but when you're, when you're pretty new, you don't want to be the first person to do something because if you like do something drastic like this, like decide to eject, because if you eject and there's nothing, <laughs> wrong, they're going to look at you like, what the fuck did you just do that for? You know? And like, it's, and it's because you don't know. So it's almost like a paralysis, paralysis of analysis. So I was like, uh, we're at 5,000 feet. We're not really descending super fast. We're still going down. And I'm like, Oh man, I I don't want to do this. And we're like four thousand feet. I'm like, dude, I thought we were supposed to. And I'm too scared to speak up because dude, I don't know. Go ahead. Sorry. Could you imagine, like a jet? <laughs> like you're like, oh fuck it, I'm gonna eject. And then you know you survive. Like everybody survives. Like you're like you know you fight for, or not really fight for your life, but like you like you know you're in the water. You have to like get to shore. You get back to the squadron, all this type of stuff. And you talk to him, and he's like. Dude, we were fine. Yeah, and you're that's like what they always say like we were fine. We, so I, I'm getting ahead of myself. But, <laughs> so you just you like know. you just uh, shorten your spine by two inches because you ejected yourself for no reason. <laughs> right. So we're going like it's at four thousand feet. I'm like, oh Jesus, we're like this is not good. <laughs> like, like I and because at this point, like I pretty like I made myself was like, okay, two thousand feet, and I'm out of here no matter what because 2,000 feet is I I can't remember but that's a number I, I'm pretty sure or it's like 2,500 feet I can't remember or like minimum safe ejection or something like that I'm like if, it, if I see 2,000 feet I'm out of here and we get to 3,000 feet and I'm about to raise the the handles basically and it pops the hatches and it, it pops the hatch before you eject and you squeeze the handle and you go out and the, luckily, because I again, this is my bad, but I was silent. And if you got any guys know um, Rico, he's downstairs and he's the savvy veteran radar navigator. And he's like, "Hey guys, uh, I thought we were gonna level off at of five thousand. And they're like, "Oh no, 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 we're gonna do one thousand. We changed it brief." And they're like, and I and I just like sit back on my seat and let out like a. <laughs> and I thought I was gonna eject because he called this at like. 2,500 feet when he made this call and we get back and we're like yeah I thought we were going to uh like I didn't say anything because I was just I didn't know what I was doing I it was probably my like 10th flight in the buff active or since I was like actually allowed to fly by myself and it was just kind of cursory like yeah we briefed it it was um sorry if there's a mistake meanwhile I thought I was gonna die or something because i i pretty much knew like even if i hit 2,000 feet i think i probably would have still hung in there uh, because i was scared it was almost like i'd rather die than be the one to die of embarrassment you know 
Um, yeah, uh, well, I'm pretty sure I would rather ride it in than fucking eject anyway. <laughs> yeah, eject and then be the wrong eject for the wrong reason. Like that's a terrible that's a terrible way to do it in all reality. Because if you're scared of something, you like you have the option and to eject. So you probably should. But man, no, no. I, what I mean, what I mean is like I think I'd ra- I think I'd rather uh, you know have like a really hard landing or something like that or like try to land than yeah. eject. You know, <laughs> just for like my. I think I'm going to die if I eject, I'm pretty sure. But um, I think we can uh, – I got a couple more stories actually that I thought of. So I think we could make this possibly a two-parter here. Yeah, we can – two-parter just kind of knock some of that stuff in the middle off there because I know we had a, we had a little bit of technical difficulties there with um, – Yeah. Background. Yeah, it's supposed to be cool. just, keep, just keep going. It'll either be a long one or – yeah. Um. So I forgot about another ejection story in the T6. I think I had all these repressed, but <laughs> I, I guess we weren't really close to ejecting. But I I went Nordo, or we like we went like Nordo. Air crew. Oh really? Yeah, in the T6. So it was me and the IP, and it was. Uh... <laughs> Do you remember, sir? The female. Yeah. Yeah. Was, the helo you know, She was. She was very notorious for being very harsh, to put it lightly, right? Yeah, she was. Well, uh, first, <laughs> she, had a, she had a big butt. Oh, that's not that's the wrong thing. But sorry. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, funny. anyways. So we're in Pensacola, and basically, if you could think about the geography, <clears throat> basically, uh, <laughs> it's always so funny being a student, right? Because you want to go to what you want or you know, you know, so you kind of, which was kind of liberal of them. I mean, of course they could always stop us from going where we wanted to, but we could say like, okay, uh, I got the sort I got planned for today is uh, we're going to Gulfport or whatever. Yeah. Or uh, Panama city. So a lot of people would go like Gulfport because it was like kind of easier. Like they kind of knew it better, but basically there was like weather coming in from the West. So as it always does, I guess. Uh, and it was like Gulfport was impossible to go to. So all like the entire um, UCT, like the T1s and the T6s were all going to Panama City. <clears throat> I think somebody talked to the air traffic controller and he was he just saw like this like fleet of like fucking aircraft come to Panama City. <laughs> it, was, it was like almost like, uh, I don't know, Star Wars or something where it's like, oh, fuck. <laughs> <laughs> What's happening? They're like coming to kill or something. But um so he you know he's playing on going or sorry everybody goes there and it's just a shit show of, as you would imagine like you know we're trying to get spacing to make sure everything happens this is all this is all just a sidebar sorry but uh we're just making sure spacing's happening and so it's just like a total shit show but anyway my friend flies with her one day like the next day or something and uh she was like did you fly recently and he's like yeah i flew yesterday uh she's like yeah panama city and he's like yeah and she's like, well, yeah, that was an abortion. And he's like, what the fuck? <laughs> and, you know, that's just kind of like painting the picture of uh, – she, she basically just said whatever she wanted and just like, you know, kind of laid down the law. I, and that's kind of – you know, there's there's certain reasons to do that, I suppose. You know, that, that's kind of – really the best learning is like black and white, right? <clears throat> but yeah. – so she's kind of tough, but we are doing a couple approaches actually I think at Gulfport. And then as we're like going into kind of like – step down on the ILS or whatever it was, I just, you know, you just hear the radios click. And it's just like, you. it's one of those things where you don't actually hear anything, but then when it actually turns off, you really don't hear anything, and you're like, oh shit, it's actually like silent. 
And so I don't see really what's happening because um, she's in like kind of the T6 is set up. I don't see what really what she's doing, but <clears throat> she was kind of trying to uh, um, talk to them, like to somebody to tell them like, hey, we got a problem. We're going to go here and then do that. And I, I think actually they they could talk to us, but we couldn't talk to them. Mm-hmm. So she, I was just like, I was kind of like, what the fuck's going on? And why are we not like continue with the approach? And I think I remember, oh, an inner phone went out too. So that was the worst part. <clears throat> so I remember I like, tried to say something and like nothing. I didn't hear anything back, which is always yeah, kind of a weird sensation. Or anything. Yeah. yeah. But anyway, we just have to like go back. And she basically kind of takes the whole thing because like I pull out the checklist and all that type of stuff and like follow along, but I can't really like do anything. And she like, <laughs> yeah. she's like slamming the cot or the um, what's it called the canopy to like kind of get my attention and like tell me what's going on and all this type of stuff. Like she's like, oh, I'm on this page and, you know, doing this. And I, I remember on the way back thinking like, oh, fuck, dude, is this like I mean, I I realized at the time, like we were fine if you like follow the published procedure and all that type yeah. of stuff. But I was just like, dude, I think, oh fuck, I think we're, <laughs> I think we're done for. <laughs> Realizing you don't know anything. Yeah, actually, fuck, I got, I got the stories are flowing now. I got two more if I may here. Yeah, of course. <clears throat> uh, so again, of course, I don't know what the fuck I'm doing in the T6. I think that's what, uh, the theme is here. But <laughs> uh, I'm flying with Atlas. You remember him? No, I don't. He was a Strike Eagle driver pilot <laughs> when okay when shark said uh eagle driver i just wanted to like kill uh, him he's, he's deep in there he's deep yeah, in the fighter yeah, pocket yeah 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 but that's it. and by the way i thought i thought they had 18s in uh in new orleans there in the reserve unit but anyway um yeah so atlas he's there and he's uh again kind of a hard ass i guess a lot of them were understandably but I remember seeing like on the TCAST, which is where you can see like other aircraft around you and you can kind of discern like where they are and like if they're climbing or not, which is pretty Gucci system compared to the buff has nothing like that. Mm-hmm. I guess all we have is like distance with air to air. But I remember like we were coming in for the approach and it was like it was IMC. So it was like super cloudy. You couldn't see anything. And I just remember in TCAST, like they were like calling out traffic to us and we we're like, we can't fucking see this, you know, and we can't see anything. And they're just, you know. I guess they're getting ready to separate us almost, but they're not ready there yet. But we just see that, like, I just see this aircraft um, on the TCAS, like, straight ahead of us, going our exact direction, climbing towards us, and we're mm-hmm. descending. Oh. And I'm just like, like, I can't see anything, you know, when you're in IMC, you just, like, nothing, you can't see it. Like, you just see cloud, like, right in front of you. It's, like, basically, like, pitch uh, black. And or it's you know analogous to it, and I just remember thinking like, okay, I think uh, the next thing I'm gonna see is just an aircraft right in front of me, and then I'm dead. You know what I mean? (laughs) (laughs) It's just gonna be like a fucking head-on collision, and we're done. But I'm sure he kind of knew more of what he was doing, and I think I directed him to the approach, and I fucked something up, and we like got out of the weather, and we were like completely in the wrong location on the airfield, like not where we were supposed to be at all, and he was like holy shit, dude, you're going to get me killed one of these days. <laughs> and he had, <laughs> he had to, like, pull around and, like, you know, he just took it from there. And he was like, Tower, we got to do this. And we, you know, messed this up. And, you know, I'm with a student. You know, by the way, they always had to say, I'm with a student. It's like, isn't that obvious? We, like, we know you didn't really fuck this up, you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, but they got to save it. They got to save their face, you know? Yeah. 
or like save their wings, I suppose. Too. Yeah, I get. Yeah, that's a great point because they're kind of st- they're still the one in charge uh, as far as uh, taking the responsibility of what happens if they make do something illegal or uh, get violated. They're still gonna get their their shit taken away, not us. So I'll finish with this story, and I think this is one of my better ones from the beef two. I would like to think, but I'm a brand new, and I never told this a roll call. I should have, because it's about Forrest. That that fuck. Uh, <laughs> it's in an endearing way, but um, he, you know, he's this like crusty hard ass uh, lieutenant colonel, and I'm fine with him and Juno, if you remember her. Yep. And. Uh, he like finds out that I get airsick sometimes and he like he's talking to the other pilots like right in front of me and he like he knows I'm listening and he's like, All right guys, we gotta get uh we gotta, you know, yank a bank, we gotta do everything we need to do because we gotta get the sickness out of port and I'm like <laughs> I'm like, Oh, I can't wait for this fucking sortie, you know what I mean? Like, here we go, great. Um but anyway, we get to doing it and we do that what what reminded me was that uh the speed down that you were talking about. And we do one of those, and this guy's known for kind of uh, pushing everything to its limit a little bit, you know, still within the like, bounds, I suppose. But he w- he like he did the speed down, and he fucking dropped the nose, like serious, like so. We have like you know um, whatever pencils and stuff, um, or like water bottles and um, dividers on our table, and no shit, they like. It was like zero G or it was worse than zero G's. Obviously it like it fucking like floated up in the air slowly. Like it was like a good, like, I don't know, seven to 10 seconds of this. It was just fucking, it was fucking ridiculous, dude. And then they finally like, um, settle out. And, uh, it, that, that felt fucking horrible too. But then we're like, we're like recovering and we're like, shit, are we okay? And stuff like that. And then we see all this like blue liquid on like some of the stuff in oh. like in our compartment, and we're like, "What the fuck's going on? Why is this wet?" And then we look back, and the pisser's there, and it's got a lid on it, and it's open. So oh. he he like literally like pissed on us, like he oh, like man. he like splattered the entire like offensive compartment. <laughs> oh my god, it was fucking horrible, dude. Yeah. that yeah, shit for, doesn't really gross me out too much like it was like oh fuck what the hell you know but it was like uh, okay that would yeah. gross me out a little bit yeah. i uh yeah forrest was uh he, my first interaction with, and at first i was like man forrest is a dick but then eventually uh i ended up liking him a lot but uh yeah. my, my first interaction with forrest was me and lobo we had uh just got to the squadron and i want to say i'm trying to remember yeah no lobo we we had just gotten there from Barksdale, and we go to go fly, and we didn't have like we didn't have a lot of our out our in processing checklist done, and we were just kind of we had all of like the flying stuff ready, but we didn't have some of the other things. Um, I can't remember what, but we go to fly, and we end up having like a like smoke and fumes in a cockpit. And so we get out of it. Like this whole time, I never had to step to a spare the entire time I was through the FTU, like when I was down in Barksdale. First sortie, I had to step, <laughs> first sortie in mine, I got to step to the spare, spare. Welcome to, or actually, we just got out of the airplane. Um, 
because of smoke and fumes. Welcome to active duty where like the jets aren't maintained by the same three people all the time. And we go back and Forrest just starts quizzing me and uh, Lobo and we're like, what's going on? And he's just like, basically, if you know, if y'all know Forrest, he likes to throw like, not shade, but like kind of backhanded, uh, yeah comments out there he's the king of them dude he's the best i've ever seen at that (laughs) he and like now that you're like when you're older and you see it like to me they're hilarious but he was just basically (laughs) we get get to the point we didn't fly one minute and we had a three-hour debrief uh (laughs) over a million things and then he get we get to a point where they ask us like so how long have you guys been in minot here and we're like uh two weeks He's like, hmm, two weeks, huh? He's like, what have you been doing with the two weeks? Like, you have you oh, been? Oh shit! I was, I was like, uh, well, we were at house. He was, you know, finding a house, and he was like, hmm. So you mean two weeks? You didn't have any time to come in here and study or look in? He's like, hmm. Sounds like he got some poor time management skills. <laughs> Just so calmly, and continues on with the debrief, and <laughs> like. Oh my God, Forrest, you're such a dick. And then, but now looking back at it, like that's such a Forrest thing, and I love when he does that stuff. He's he's one of my he's one of my favorite old heads in the beef with the Duke yeah. community. It's like you kind of he's one of those guys you have to kind of give it back to him for him to like, yeah, or for exactly. it to be. You just have to have fun with it almost because he he like means it, but he does it like he yeah yeah he almost doesn't ingest you know oh he definitely doesn't ingest and he's he's the type of person there's some people who like who are like this i think rage is similar oh of course yeah they, they, they they'll give you shit and if you just take it and you don't do anything back they're like man this guy's a square but if you give him shit back you see him get that little shit eating grin on their face and they, they like this it's enjoyable when you can kind of uh, have a little bit of banter and i think that's really what uh forest is about so like he'd say something like eventually when i got older uh, he'd say something and i'd just say something really dumb back on purpose or i'd say something <laughs> like, like something that was completely wrong on purpose and he would just laugh his ass off about it or like i'd, I'd say something real smart ass back and he loved it i remember one time when i was doing an irk with him like a really short story where we just like jumped on from the previous crew <clears throat> um he like I, I was I was the only one down in the offensive department because we were doing like min crew, and he was like talking to me and I was like kind of responding, but I you know kind of was doing different things, and he's like, uh, "Poor, what the hell is going on down there? What are you having sex with yourself or something?" And I was like, <laughs> I was like, "What?" <laughs> there was so many comments, and he would, um, I'm sure you heard like, or. Uh, you you heard him like be in situations like this where he would like you know again he would like test the bounds but he would do stuff in like weird ways to like test people like he would be like hey poor i'm uh i'm feeling like i'm not really sure what i'm doing up here make sure to uh watch my airspeed and altitude and then of course he would do like fucking crazy stuff and i'd be like hey you're like 500 feet low or something like that or, you know what i mean yeah, you're, you're, you're going uh mock eight right now <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, oh, just checking <laughs> Yeah. So, oh man, good times, dude. I gotta, I gotta write these down. I like, I like writing down stories to, uh, you know, reminisce on later. I got, I got a lot more from like different uh, TDYs, but we can save them for another time. Yeah. You, uh, you told me you started writing your stories down. I tried to do that, and I just got away with it. I, I really, yeah. I like 
I like that idea though. Be able to catch yeah, that. I, I've I've like you know as usual I I can never keep a habit for long. Um, but yeah, I want to try to get better with that because I did that with um <clears throat> the most recent Guam trip a little bit. And it was cool to like when I left, like I got like some bros around and we, I just like went through the stories and it was like, it was those like kind of things kind of like this where it's like, you forgot about the stories, but then when you bring them up, everybody's like, oh yeah, hell yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, and th- those are the good moments. So. Yeah. We, I'm sure we, we could probably have like, a, we're, I know we'll have another war stories podcast or a, a, so there I was podcast because man, there's, there's like not even just flying, just. Being around. I think we could spend a time, a good amount of time, just on being, like, just jobbing it, or being at work, or um, just silly things that happen that you saw, heard, or just like what the fuck moments, you know? Yeah, I'm trying to write a, um, or Walken and I were getting together to write a uh, uh, air crew like TV sitcom because just like, <laughs> the, the ridiculous shit that happens. I mean, I can't think of it now, but just like. You know those moments we've had where, like, you know, you hear the story and it's just like, what? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, like uh, you know, people are not showing up to generations or something like that. Like, oh, my God. Just like yeah. that. Or, like, you know, puncturing tires and stuff like that. Like, <laughs> just the – dude, we could have a – there I was, uh, generation edition, dude. Yeah. Oh, my God, dude. That would be good. That would be cool to get some Barksdale guys in on that, that too. Yeah, dude. I'm t- oh, dude, I should try to get Cosmo on one because he, like I said, dude, he's got stories for fucking days and yeah. he just amazes you with the the shit he has and he says he says it so casually too. <laughs> yeah. Oh shit. Well, uh, think that about wraps it up or what? Yeah, I think so. Okay. As uh, as usual, no thanks to Shark and um, <laughs> we'll uh, we'll see him next time uh, hopefully. So. Yeah, we'll see about that. (laughs) All right, see you guys. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the individuals and do not reflect the official policy or position of any agency of the U.S. government.